the life of Peter. Peter has been such an interesting subject uh, as we have looked at him, and we're looking at really at Jesus through Peter's eyes and all the, the situations that surrounded Peter's discipleship and him becoming more and more Christ-like. And uh, so we've been looking at Peter in the Gospels, from shifting sand to solid rock. Today we talk about restoration, that at one point, Peter had gotten pretty far from Jesus after the, the denials, and, and there was some forgiveness that we talked about last week. But today we talk about restoration. And John really included chapter 1 in his gospel to talk about Peter's restoration. Now, this word restoration is often used. Uh, I think it uh, comes into play a lot of times between couples, married couples, husband and wife, and I hate to admit this, but there's been times when I have needed a little restoration in my own marriage. This is a long time ago, and it's kind of embarrassing, but uh, we don't really uh, yell at our house when we argue. We do argue, but we, we do it without yelling most of the time, and sometimes if it's real bad, then we'll go silence. And man, this is about 30 years ago. Uh, I don't know, I have no idea what we were arguing about, or what we were disagreeing about, but it, it was bad. And um, I got up really early in the morning, and I left, and I went to the church. And I hadn't said anything to Colette about this. I just left. And so I got there. It's like 7 o'clock in the morning, and she calls. And the phone's ringing, and I know it's her, so I don't answer it. Well, the custodian is there. And he picks up the phone, and he finds out it's Colette. And he comes in and he says, hey, your wife's on the phone. And he, he wasn't really much of a follower of Jesus at that time. And, you know, here I am, a, a staff member at, at the church. And I realized, wow, that's not very uh, good leadership and good behavior. Not a very good example for the janitor. And so I'm sure that it wasn't very long until we were talking again and, and doing all those things uh, that we were supposed to do that we weren't doing because of that argument. But we need those times of restoration. I remember times when our kids would get in trouble and, and after they were disciplined and, and we all, you know, apologies were made and forgiveness was given, all of a sudden they became like the ideal child. They were perfect in every way. They would hardly do anything wrong. We called them the golden child. And, and they, they, they had that. Uh, and, and restoration is healing and it's helpful. And, and today we look at restoration in Peter's life. And maybe it gives us some hope too for our own lives. So Peter is in that time between the resurrection and the ascension. 50 days. And, you know, it wasn't like Jesus was with them all the time. There were appearances, but a lot of times they were, there was just nothing. There was no word from Jesus. There was no meeting. And at one point he had said, hey, I'll see you in Galilee. And, and they ended up in, the disciples ended up in Galilee. So today in John chapter 21, uh, we see Peter and uh, six other disciples. And what does Peter do? He goes back to what he knows. 
he goes back to fishing. Why would he do that? Why, why not fish for people during this time when Jesus has, has been talking to them, he's explained the good news to them, the gospel message, they know about the risen Lord now, but he's not out fishing for people. He goes fishing for fish. We're going to pick it up at verse 1 of John 21. It, John starts with this word, later. So some time had passed. It's, it's maybe a month after the, uh, the resurrection. And it says, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your nets on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. You know, it's interesting that this same event took place at the beginning for Peter. It was that occasion when he had fished and Jesus said, come on, let's go out a little deeper, let's throw down the nets for a catch, and and Peter says, no, I don't want to do that, but okay, if you say so, I will. And they have a huge catch, so many that the nets are tearing. Here, it doesn't say that the nets tore, but there was a huge catch of fish. It's amazing that at the beginning of his ministry and at the end, Peter's instructed to throw the net on the other side. So, they did, and they couldn't haul in the, the net. There were so many fish in it. Then John said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that, that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic. Uh, he had been kind of stripped down to just a little bit of clothing. And he jumped into the water, and he headed for shore. I think this is a remarkable thing. Why would you put on your outer garment and jump in the water? Why not just jump in the water and, and then have your warm, dry outer garment brought? But that's not a part of our study. I just have these questions. Now, the others stayed in the boat, and they were only about 100 yards out from shore. And so when they got to shore, they they found breakfast was waiting for them. There, were there was fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish that you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. 
This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Well, happy Thanksgiving. This is Thanksgiving Sunday 2020. And we have a lot to be thankful for. It's just a little bit harder to, to find it, to what to be thankful for. But we need to do that. I want you to know in the Church of the Nazarene, we have always celebrated Thanksgiving with uh, a time of giving to missions. And I hope that you will consider that. And there's ways that you can do that through the website uh, or through the mail. And we sure appreciate uh, anything that you can do to help with uh, the NMI, Nazarene Missions International Giving. Uh, it's been down all across the board for the church, and, and so anything you can do would be great. So we do appreciate that. During this time of Thanksgiving, I hope that you will spend some extra time thinking about things that you can be thankful for. And you know, just like this event, Jesus makes for good times. When we gather, and there's plenty of food and friends and family gatherings all, all together, there's um, some quality conversation, and, and, and best of all, if the presence of Jesus is honored with us. He, he was honored with the disciples that day on the shore, and I hope that he is in your Thanksgiving celebration this year, no matter how many or how few of you are able to be together. Well, I want to point out three uh, significant details that you'll see in this passage. Uh, some things that we don't typically look at, but since we're really focusing on Peter, there's some things that kind of jump out. Number one is this, that Jesus had a fire going. He had built a fire, but it says a charcoal fire. And I want you to know, I love sitting around a fire. I think there's great comfort in that, a warm fire on a cold day, or in this case, a cold morning when Peter's just uh, swum to shore and he's wet and damp and, and all that. But a, a campfire is a cozy place to be. And this word charcoal is only used two times in all of the New Testament. It was used for the charcoal fire where Peter sat around and then denied Jesus. And it's used here. The only places that word is, is in there. And Peter's mentioned both times. This is a deliberate literary allusion to Peter's failure in the courtyard and restoration by the sea. Peter had denied Christ sitting around a charcoal fire. Here, Peter is restored sitting around a cooking fire, a charcoal fire, and sharing a meal that Jesus had prepared for him. Come to Jesus for comfort. Comfort is a word that I want us to consider. It, Peter had been in a very uncomfortable situation of his own choosing, his own making. And Jesus is going to restore comfort. The comfort of that relationship with, with the Savior is what Peter really needs. So there is going to be comfort and there's going to be peace. And, and when you don't know what to do, turn to Jesus and you will find comfort and peace. Prayer, the Holy Spirit, will bring comfort to you. And I'm so glad that Jesus did that for Peter that day. I'm glad he does it for us today. The second thing that we see here, the significant detail in Peter's uh, walk with Jesus, is that, that Jesus had fish cooking on the fire. Jesus already is providing he, provision. This word 
the idea that the disciples had just had a huge catch, and that was because of Jesus, but they fished all night and caught nothing, but Jesus changes things for the fishermen. Jesus does, does not depend on our human efforts to accomplish His will. But notice He invites Peter to bring some of the fish you just caught. He wants us to bring our efforts and what we can do and join Him in what He is doing. So bring your talents, bring your gifts, bring your abilities Join Jesus in what he's doing and bring what you have, and we will be able to provide for others. The idea of provision. So we, we have Jesus giving comfort, and he's giving provision. And number three, there is this wonderful thing he does for Peter. He helps him remember. Remembrance is the third thing. Jesus had loaves of bread waiting. And I can't imagine that Peter wouldn't think right away about what had just happened behind them on the hillside with the feeding of the 5,000. That had taken place right near this wilderness area where they were fishing that day. And Jesus had done a great miracle. Five loaves, small loaves of bread, two small fish, and they fed the multitudes. Peter needed to remember he needed to remember who Jesus was and what Jesus could do. Peter needed to believe that he too could, could do great things. I mean, if he stayed close to Jesus. And we need to remember the reminders that Jesus gives us. If have we met together today, we would be receiving communion. And I invite you to think about that. Think about remembering Jesus and what he's done in your life, the things that you have to be thankful for. Remember the reminders that Jesus gives you. He gives us bread. He gives us uh, the blood to, to remind us of what he has done for us. And that's what he does for Peter that day. He comforts him, he provides for him, and he helps him remember what he needs to know to move forward. The passage goes on in John, and we're going to pick it up at, at verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Uh, first of all, notice he's using his whole name and his proper name. He doesn't even say Peter. He says, Simon, son of John. And then he says, do you love me? More than these, more than what? what, what what's Jesus talking about? Do you love me more than going fishing? Uh, boy, that'd be a hard question to uh, have some fishermen ask today. But some people really love fishing. Was, was that what it was for Peter? But perhaps it's, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? You said you did. You said you're willing to die. No matter what, you, you're willing to be there. Do you really love me that much? You said you did, but do you? Jesus says it again, do you love me? And when he says, do you love me, what he says is, do you agape me? Do you love me beyond human capacity to love? And Peter says, yes. You know I love you. But Peter doesn't use agape. He uses phileo. 
you know I filio you. I love you with great human affection, with brotherly love. Then Jesus says, feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Same words, agape, phileo, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It says that Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him a third time. Scholars make a lot about this. Is Was it a third time? Because there were three times at the fire that Peter denied Jesus. But he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now, what does it mean for Peter? What does it mean for us to love Jesus? One thing I, I, I think Peter needs to get across, and Jesus is going to help him with this, is that he's not going back to fishing. He's not even going to be fishing for uh, men now. He, it's going to be a kind of a different thing. I mean, three times Peter had denied Jesus. Three times Jesus asked him to confirm his willingness to serve. Not as a fisherman, not even a fisher of men, but as a shepherd. An interesting transition here. What he's saying is, Peter, be a shepherd. And he says that to us. Be a shepherd. Care for the sheep. Care for the little ones. Feed my sheep, Jesus says. You know, how kind it is of Peter, and I mean of Jesus, to feed Peter. Notice that's what they did. They had breakfast together. I mean, it was fish and bread. We don't have that for breakfast very often, but that would, that would have been a, a wonderful breakfast in that day. And, and before Jesus dealt with Peter's spiritual needs, he met his physical needs. He gave Peter the opportunity to, to dry off by the fire, to get warm, to satisfy his hunger, and to enjoy some fellowship. And, and so that's kind of part one of this chapter. And I think this part is a good example for us to follow as well. We need to care, and care like a shepherd cares for the sheep. Certainly, uh, the spiritual is more important than the physical, but caring for the physical can prepare the way for the spiritual, for spiritual ministry. It, it says in our verse that Jesus served them. And, and mission workers, they know that, that care for the body is a big help in order to feed the soul. And that's the way Jesus did it. Missionaries have done that. People who work in uh, missions in inner cities, they do that. They care for the physical needs, the emotional needs, sometimes even the mental needs, before they care for the spiritual needs. They win the right to be heard. Jesus does that by bringing comfort and provision for Peter and for the other disciples. Mission workers do that. It's the same way with Jesus. It ought to be the same with us. 
let's figure out how we can care, especially as we enter these holidays, a time to be thankful, a time to give back. Verse 18 says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself, you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and they will take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let Peter know what kind of death that he would have to glorify God. We know that Peter was later, much later, crucified in Rome. And they didn't feel that he could be crucified because that's the way Jesus was killed. And so he asked to be crucified upside down. In this way, Peter did follow Jesus. And that's what Jesus told him. The last thing that we have in this gospel is that Jesus told Peter, follow me. He said that that at the very beginning, you're going to be the rock, but you're not there yet. But if you follow me, you're going to get there. It's like he's saying, Peter, you are shifting sand. You need to get solid. You need to be the rock. And Peter's not going to get there on his own. As a matter of fact, Peter would not get there without the help of the Holy Spirit. And Peter's not going to get there by doing what he thinks is his way to honor God. you got to do God's will, not your own will, the way you think it will make a difference for God. It's to follow Jesus that we're asked to do. Don't do your own thing. Don't do it your way. Do it Jesus' way. I mean, doing Jesus' thing, do it the way he leads you to do it. And and that's what we're saying today. To get solid, to be thankful, to love, to care, to follow. Peter finally gets it. Ah, there'll be some setbacks. But for for the most part, from this point on, Peter is the solid rock that Jesus needs him to be to help lead the other disciples and the early church to change the world. And he does it. And he does it because Jesus is with him here on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and later as the very presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit connects with Peter. And he becomes a great man of God. He serves. But this day he needed to be restored so that he could serve. Be a shepherd. Care for the physical needs first and then the spiritual needs. Remember, Jesus served them. Jesus wants us to serve the least of these. And then do God's will. Not your own will, God's way, but God's will, His way. If we will do that, then we too will be solid in our faith and in our service to Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for thanksgiving. I thank you for the privilege that we have to love and care and share. Thanksgiving is a great time because it's just hard to be commercialized. What? How can you even commercialize a meal where people get together and fellowship? And, and if if 
people get together and think about things, they're thankful. A lot of times people say prayers at Thanksgiving, at least that they might not even say other times of the year. But Lord, bless those, hear those prayers, and help us to be solid, what you have called us to be. And Lord, you will change the world because you choose to use us in our minimal efforts to join you in the great things that you're doing. May it be so, Lord Jesus, in your precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you, and happy Thanksgiving.